1: It's not human
2: intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should?
0: Hello and welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is January 10th. This is episode 364. And my name is Dan Ellis. I'm joined by two awesome co-hosts. Mr. Ryan Duffy. That would be this one. And mister I'm pointing at him. (laughs) Mr. Taylor Grin.
1: Well, hello,
0: hello, (laughs) how are you guys doing? Uh, What's new with you guys?
2: Let's start with uh, Ryan. I don't know. Is that a good idea? Sure. Uh, What's new? Nothing's new besides people fucking around on the holidays and getting sick with COVID and fucking work up. uh, Fucked around and found out. No way. Yep. They fucked around and found out. Now we're all paying the price. So what what's what's happening? What what are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about the fact that like 20% of our fire station is out with COVID right now, which means I go to work. And I don't know if I get to come home. Because uh, you might get stuck out there? Yeah. I mean, I got stuck there Saturday. So I got told Friday night, I got told, hey, guess what? Uh, you're staying tomorrow. I was like, all right, do I get to go home Sunday? It's like, well, we'll find out. We'll let you know. <laughs> so now uh, it's mandatory testing first shift in. Yeah, because, uh, like the first day it started on Thursday, someone at work wasn't feeling good. He'd already been there for two days. He leaves, go gets, goes, gets tested, boom, pop positive for COVID. Uh, and they're like, all right, everyone else in that station, you need to do a rapid test right now. And boom, four more guys positive right off the bat. Oh man! And then more guys later on. Like I got a phone call yesterday. Hey, how close were you to this person? I was like, oh fuck, another one. I'm like, yep. Wow. So
3: that's it's, uh, it's it's really bothering me to see so many people say like, oh, well, Omicron's so much more mild. It's like, yeah, but it's so much more contagious that it's a yeah. fucking wash.
2: Yeah. yeah, and especially like we cannot have someone who's contagious at work like right. we don't get to work from home uh-huh. so yeah, uh, yeah like we can't go run on emergency with someone who's got fucking covid even if they're like i feel fine like no yeah it doesn't you matter give it because, to someone else and that person won't feel fine
0: right yeah it doesn't matter if that person feels fine because and that's what so many people don't seem to fucking understand about this is that it's not just you and how you feel about something. We're talking about a contagious fucking disease that you yeah. can give to other people that may not end up feeling as chipper as you do when they fucking get it. Dummy?
2: Yeah. And that's where I hate yeah. to like, well, we most people society. survive it. It's yeah. like, I don't give if I don't care if most people survive it, but look at our hospitals right now. They're being fucking overran. Uh-huh. Like you you keep complaining about the the like the, uh, what do we, the, the lack of supplies or food and, you know, all that kind of shit. It's like, well, yeah, cause you motherfuckers keep getting other people sick. And guess what? <laughs> they can't fucking work. Uh
0: huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're Or
3: they this- just die. Like,
2: yeah, like, or they die. I cannot fucking
3: say this enough. Like the number one hit career in. The country from COVID has been line cooks. And you wonder why you're seeing all these stories of people quitting restaurant jobs or restaurants not being able to find workers. Yeah. It's because
2: they're
0: dead. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, they're dead or they fear dying.
2: And so they've quit. Yeah, And they're not going back there. I think yeah. I saw something that said, like, I can't remember. It was a big number, like in the millions of people who've uh, just this last, like, December quit and changed career fields.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, 4.1 yeah, million, I think. That what is that what it was? It is, of people who left the workforce. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I saw it in some way, but not like left it entirely, like left to find something better. I'm like, well, well for some, it was, was
3: left entirely. Like okay. there have been a lot of early retirements. There have been a lot of people who are so like, injured by COVID that like they couldn't continue to work. Like when, when you say there's a 1% fatality, like that's fantastic. But for each one fatality, there's like three to four people who are permanently injured in such a way that they will never be able to like work and live the way that they did before they got the disease. I I want to say that will take a toll on a workforce.
2: I had seen a number that was somewhere around like one in 10 people will have like possible lifelong symptoms due to getting COVID mm-hmm. whether that's diminished lung capacity not being able to have their full sense of smell or taste back or just being fatigued it's like that's right I worry more about that because that might mean I can't have a job anymore mm-hmm. right well yeah lung capacity is pretty important to a firefighter yeah <laughs> and they test our lung capacity and if we don't meet a certain standard we can't work yeah
0: which like makes sense
3: yeah. You know, that's, that's a job qualification I can agree with.
2: And if I have a debilitating illness due to COVID and it doesn't go away and it has to do with my lung capacity, I could go in for a physical and I said, Hey, you know, your lung capacity is so diminished from COVID that we can't, we can't allow you to work anymore.
1: Hmm.
2: <sighs> yeah. It's, it's getting scary. So man. I, yeah. So I would, I would have survived it, but it would alter my life. So, still not yeah. a good thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, thankfully, I still have avoided getting it. Um, Tracy's avoided getting it. She actually went over, well, now let me, okay, so real quick. <laughs> real quick, she went over to, you know, her mom got some puppies. Uh, I will, we'll maybe talk about that later. But her mom got some puppies and has been struggling with how to do various things with them. And the breeder that she got them from... Uh, the, the living conditions were less than wholly sanitary. Mm. And so the puppies mm. have, have like some parasites that they're dealing with. And Tracy's been okay. helping her mom administer drugs to the puppies to get rid of the parasites. And she went over there yesterday yeah. and there's been a lot of death in Tracy's family. So the ward bishop was over there talking to her mom. So Tracy walks into the house and the bishop is there without a mask on. And Tracy's Tracy's like, so I walk in there, I've got two masks on and I walk in and I'm just like, um, could I get you to put a mask on? Like, I'm just, you know, a little paranoid like, about Omicron
2: and, you know, yeah, I've avoided. Especially if he's going house to house talking with people in his,
0: yeah, his area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And she says, oh, and he was, and I said, well, what did he say? Oh, well, you know, he was apologetic. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm sorry. You know, I've, I've been wearing it all day. I just, you know, it slipped my mind, whatever. And I'm Bullshit. thinking, yeah, you fucking liar. <laughs> yeah. If you if you had been wearing it all day, you would that would have been something that you were accustomed to. You would be wearing it all the fucking time. You wouldn't yeah. take it off to go and see Tracy's mom. Uh, yeah, it just and then I was like, "So why is why is the bishop even over there talking to your mom?" And she's like, "Well, she's been talking to him about stuff. You know, her mm. her mom was excommunicated decades ago." Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. But but uh has you know, there's been a lot of death in the family and she's been sad and has been missing people and the bishop has been fucking taking advantage of that shit and going over like there. They do. Yeah. And yeah, it's made me not happy. So uh, I'm yeah. There, there may be some further developments about that in the near future.
2: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Are we gonna go egg a bishop's house? Oh Please? no! It'll it'll oh.
0: no it, no. There won't be any egging. It'll be me having firebombing. Me having a a friendly conversation no. with the with with the ward bishop to let him know that what I think he's doing is fucking disgusting.
2: Yeah. Stop praying on her for her ten percent.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's just it too. I mean, when when fucking Mormon missionaries enter a neighborhood and they start going door to door. One of the first questions they ask for anybody whose door they knock on, whether they are a believer or not, whether they are Mormon or not, is, can
2: we help you with anything?
0: Well, it's, no, that's, that's one of the questions that they ask. One of the questions that they usually ask before that or on their way out is, is there anybody that you know of in the neighborhood who is <laughs> struggling right now? Anybody who, yep. who is sad, depressed, who needs, who needs needs to hear the word. Yeah. Anybody that you think may benefit hearing, hearing what we're telling, you know, hearing what we're talking about and, and, you know, could, could use some assistance, could lean on the Lord for some help because they want to go and fucking take advantage of these emotionally damaged and fragile people while they're in that emotionally fragile and damaged state. And it's, 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 fucking disgusting
2: that just makes me wish i lived near a cemetery so i could direct them to the cemetery when they ask that question yeah like <laughs> just go down the street and take a left you'll see everyone there kind of needs a little bit of help there's there's rows and your rows, rows of people <laughs> they're good listeners uh-huh yeah they're ne- they're never gonna
0: talk back they're never gonna yeah. tell you what you think is wrong or why mm-hmm. i
2: mean you're all about baptizing the dead so Get to fucking work. There's a fucking field full.
3: <laughs> well, what's new with you, Taylor? Jeez. Oh man, what isn't new with me? Um, gosh, I uh, so my fucking kitten. <laughs> we um, I love him to death. He's really cute. We got these new automatic litter boxes because I was tired of shoveling shit. Uh-huh. Um, and apparently he both thinks that the litter boxes are evil machines that steal his litter and they also need to be monitored 24 <laughs> 7 which for him has taken the like the the flavor of lying inside the litter box like he's back at petco <laughs> which is disgusting and so i've been yeah. trying to figure out how to ameliorate that behavior because uh-huh. no uh-huh. um and like I have nothing to add to that. Like I still have not figured out how to get him to stop the behavior. And and before the show, I had the kitten in here, and I was just gonna like keep an eye on him while I was uh, while I was doing the show because he and the older cat have to be kept separated still. Uh-huh. Um, like they can't be alone because sometimes the older cat will attack him, and. Um, like fucking sure enough. Like as soon as we got to talking, the kitten started crunching around in the litter and just laying in the fucking box. And it's like, that's <laughs> like, you're supposed to be more cleanly than that. <laughs> have
2: you thought about so, getting another robotic item? So yes, actually I have. Cause that was one like, of my concerns that him, like, he was like oh, looking shit.
3: for it for stimulus. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've been thinking about getting some sort of like automatic toy that will trigger in like a, like a 10 to 20 minute time period, but more frequently than the litter box does to draw his attention. Yeah. Um, but like, Hey, I haven't found something like that and B, it does nothing for me in the interim. So I'm glad that we kept one of our old litter boxes. That's like a, like a, a normal one, a manual one, right? Like an unsmart box. And, uh, we've covered up the new ones until we can figure it out. Cause I'll just
2: fucking lay in them. Here's my sucks sock for you. I hate it. I see you got a ceiling fan. I see you got a ceiling fan in that room. Mm-hmm. Duct tape a laser pointer to it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this one like, a not like not like like
2: rigid to it, but like on a string, so it kind of like mm-hmm. wobbles and just you. Yeah, and it he would or she would just have so much fun trying to follow that dot all over the fucking. And it's automatic; you don't mm-hmm.
3: have to do it. Yeah. No. I mean, I and there is a a toy. If I recall correctly, that is literally like a laser pointer on a gimbal oh, that really? goes off on a timer. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, um, and I need to look into that one in particular. My concern is I think that it might point it like at the ceiling or on the walls, and he I think that he would go after it and knock something over. <sighs> No, I'm not too terribly worried about that. I'm actually more worried about him becoming disinterested if it's not something that he can put his paws on. Cause like I'll play with the laser pointer and like direct it to the walls. Yeah. And he'll jump around and slap on the walls. And he, like he knows that it's a laser pointer. Like he's smart enough that he will walk over, pick up the laser pointer drop it in my lap and oh. then look at the walls that he prefers to chase it to so he understands where the red light comes from and how to make the humans do it uh-huh um yeah like he is not an unintelligent cat he's just fucking weird
0: <laughs> yeah our one of our dogs is the same way like he knows where the laser pointer lives on the little desk in the kitchen and if you mm-hmm. go anywhere near that if you and it's it's in we have a Uh, cup with a bunch of pens and stuff and that's where we also put the laser pointer if you venture anywhere near there he'll jump up and he just fucking vibrates while he's standing there waiting to see if you're going to (laughs) pull this thing out yeah he's he's a bit of a freak about it and he knows that's funny where it is where it comes from how how the dot shines wherever yeah he's he's
2: a little freak about it Mm -hmm. and that's why pets are better than humans (laughs) Hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I, yeah no i mean not taking it yeah, back i don't know why i grumbled at that you're absolutely right they are also fuck the pope
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck yeah fuck you motherfucker
3: we should play that, that Tim clever song shit tonight. you said dan by the way was that yours originally what's um that? abstinence makes the church grow fondlers
0: oh. oh no i wish i could claim that as my own but i saw it years and years ago somewhere i couldn't tell you where i don't remember but yeah it's that's not a new thing to me it just when i when i saw okay. him when i saw him say that and then i i saw a bunch of accompanying mm-hmm. memes i thought oh this would fit that
2: but no yeah, yeah it wasn't, no, that wasn't was, my that was original brilliant. work for sure yeah Yeah, I wanted to make the comment on something saying the Pope just wants more kids to rape, but I figured that would have gotten me banned on like Facebook (laughs) and stuff. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
2: Yeah. So I didn't say it.
0: (laughs) Well, it's, you know, the I don't know if he's just completely, if he has absolutely no sense of irony, you know, that this the this celibate septu- man who can't this, have children says yeah, you should have children septuagenarian virgin with no children says that not having children is selfish <laughs> yeah right okay well let's think about this
2: for a moment shall we i just thought that was kind of funny or maybe the pope just isn't allowed to have a dog in the vatican yeah so like, fuck you you get to have a dog i don't
0: fuck you <laughs> fuck dogs I'm so jealous and lonely, sitting here in the in the Vatican. I'm on a pope with uh, no doggies. <laughs> Just want a <the> pupper. <laughs> yeah, that was that was fun. So you were talking about um testing, and that you know the the the, the firehouse doesn't have a whole lot of testing or a whole lot of
2: tests available. But, yeah, yes, yeah, so we're we're trying to basically our supply guy was told put in an order for the maximum allow a maximum allowable amount of money you're allowed to put an order in for Uh and we'll see what we get Uh
0: yeah i know testing availability has been a real problem yeah so biden has used the Defense Act, whatever thing. Defense Authorization Act. Something like that, mm-hmm. where where he can compel businesses to produce more of a thing. Yeah. Uh, or to focus on, on producing more of a thing. So they're doing that, and in addition, it was announced today, this news comes to us from NPR. Um, it says that the Biden administration announced Monday new details on how Americans can get free COVID-19 tests or get reimbursements from their private insurance. This is following up on an announcement the white house made last month under the new policy announced by the white house individuals covered by a health insurance plan who purchase an over-the-counter COVID-19 diagnostic test that has been authorized cleared or approved by the U S food and drug administration will be able to have those test costs covered by their insurance beginning Saturday insurance companies and health plans will be required to cover eight free over-the-counter at home tests per covered individual per month oh wow according to White wow. house officials so for instance a family of four all in the same plan would be able to get up to 32 of these tests covered by their health plan per month
2: that's which, actually but yeah I was just kind of scanning through i saw the uh the the eight free yeah. i was thinking like oh probably what eight free total like i didn't go further than that, but that's, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine the loophole you have to jump through to to get it, you know, your money back from your insurance.
0: Yeah. That that's another thing. That's a real fucking pain in the ass. Like we'll, we could go off for, for hours or I could go off for hours about how fucking terrible (laughs) I think insurance companies are and our system of, of health quote unquote care here in the U S is, but yeah, it's, it's bullshit. You you have to deal with all of that overhead.
2: I, I worry about with this is a uh, gray market tests. So not black market, but gray market where it's like, you're putting this out there saying this product is legit, but it might not be legit.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's why it's, that's why it says that the tests that have been authorized, cleared or approved by the U S food and drug administration.
2: Well, that doesn't say a product can't put on there. Fakely that they are approved by the FDA yeah. online to get you to go to their site and buy it. And people think they're buying an authorized FDA test and they get it and it's not, and they lost their money.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's what's well, one- not
3: by like a reimbursement. Would it be like, they'd have to get it through their healthcare provider, wouldn't they? This sounds like a
2: reimbursement thing where you'd buy it yourself over the counter and then get reimbursed. That's kind of how I was reading it.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's
2: that's what it looks like it's going to be because like you would
1: have to file with your
2: insurance that you bought this you know over the counter show proof of purchase and get your insurance to pay you back is kind of how i was reading it
0: yeah well and it says you know that they'll i mean the story starts off and says that they announced monday new details on how americans can get free covid tests or get reimbursements from their private insurance and
2: those tests aren't cheap i looked online for them uh, and they're pretty much hard to find right now. Uh huh. But it was like thirty-two dollars for two tests. Oh shit! So so,
0: hmm. I told you that Tracy's mom got the puppies, and and we were mm-hmm. talking about COVID and testing. So here in Salt Lake, uh, when Omicron started kicking off, it was probably it's probably close to two weeks ago now. That it was so it was right before Christmas. So yeah, a couple weeks. Um, I. Went to CVS to to try to get some at home tests. Yeah, I think we we're and, texting about this. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> and and they were completely sold out. Like I, I went, mm-hmm. you know, I, I looked all over the store, and then I went to the pharmacy and I said, because I thought, well, maybe they keep them behind the counter because people are stealing them, whatever. So I went to the pharmacy and I asked the pharmacist, "Hey, do you have any COVID tests available?" And the pharmacy tech looked over my shoulder behind me and said Laft. oh no it looks like we're out so i turn around and there's this sign that says you know limit two per person or limit two per household and they were totally sold out yeah and and i was like oh okay well no dice i went home we went down and picked up the puppies from this breeder in in provo provo yeah yeah <laughs> so super uber red county here yeah. in Utah. Um, it's where BYU is located. And we got the puppies. Then we went and got some coffee. And uh there's a CVS right across the street. Tracy says, oh, hey, well, I need to use the bathroom. Let's go over there. The coffee place we went to was just a walk-up place. So anyway, we go over to the CVS. She's like, I want to just go in. You know, I'll use the bathroom. I'll see if they have any tests available. She goes in there. Being a red county where... All of the ignorant morons there, what? you know, where most COVID of them fake. <laughs> where, where they're not getting <laughs> vaccinated, <laughs> they're not wearing masks, they're doing everything wrong, their numbers are through the roof. They had rows and rows and tons and tons of these tests available and so Tracy's like, "Well, shit, I'm you know while we're here, I'm gonna stock up." So she grabbed like a dozen <laughs> tests, went up to the counter, and the guy's trying to ring them up, and and you know he rings up a few of them, and then it started making this weird sound from a little scanner, and she, and he's like, like, "Oh," she says, "Well, what's going on?" He's like, "Oh, it's gonna, it says that you can only get six. And he says, that's fine. I'll just start a new transaction. So he just, he, he closes that one out. She pays for it. And then she just buys another six and she buys a dozen tests there because nobody there is fucking buying them. Like they can't give them away here in Salt Lake yeah, County. Right. You can't find them anywhere. You go to a red County where nobody's doing what they should be doing. And that's why we're experiencing this astronomical spread and they're fucking, they're everywhere. So yep. we have, we still have that cash. Yeah. We,
2: <laughs> I wonder if that cashier was like, "Do I didn't even know we sold these things. Well, and this was all
0: around the time that, <laughs> you know, Tracy had been in the hospital with Danica who had gotten uh, COVID from the baby daddy. And so Tracy wanted to get a test to test herself and, and make sure that she was safe. And we could just couldn't fucking find one anywhere. So we lucked out, but yeah, we've still got, so she, she did a couple tests here at the house. So now we still have tests uh, 10 tests laying around that
2: will eventually come in handy. Yeah, probably. I mean, Mm -hmm. I would say if you feel like you're having a fever, if you feel like you're having any of those conditions, like I think like our, our chief texted us kind of getting from the rest of the guys at work. And they said, most of the guys were reporting, uh, congestion, fever, cough, and runny nose. Mm -hmm. So essentially what seems like the flu, but no, you don't have the flu. You got fucking COVID, which is, worse than the flu you motherfuckers it's not the same thing <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. yeah poor right. poor dan morris from two skeptical chaps has been yeah i saw that isolating it sounds like he's on the maxinated did everything that as he should and he still ended up getting it and it kicked the shit out of him he he was yeah. super tired and is still run down days later he's feeling mostly fine but is still you know really easily tired he's he's well, I think the word he used is "knackered." Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> Those Brits in yeah. their words
2: sounds sufficiently British. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, uh, I saw he was able to return to his mud farm.
0: Yes. Yeah he's he has recovered mostly, still still easily exhausted, but is on the mend. With, that we're glad to hear all of that. We are going to do a bit of a a retrospective look at the January sixth insurrection. And we'll be talking more about that when we get back from this little break. This is Callie. Just remember, love is love. Support your local lesbians. You're listening to The Godless Revolution.
4: Why do you wear that? What? The collar. Why are you still wearing it? Probably for the same reason you keep all those Bibles. I wear it because the word of God still matters. It's a light... In an otherwise very dark world. And a reminder of the goodness still within us. Things like love, mercy, forgiveness. Toilet paper. What? The Bible. And my toilet paper.
1: I like the ten pages. I can find them everywhere.
4: Maybe instead of wiping your ass with it, you should read it.
1: Oh, yeah, I read it cover to cover that's why i wipe my ass with it
4: thank you to everybody who has rated the show on itunes and stitcher
0: and are following us on youtube twitter and facebook and to all our patreon patrons you make the show possible
3: hey welcome back uh so we're a little bit late we, uh, we wanted to make sure to get our interview done last week. Uh, so this is, you know, a little bit later than other podcasts are going to be covering January 6th, but we wanted to talk about it. Um, for me, at least, I, I'm about the same age as Ryan. Um, Dan, I don't know quite what your experience was, but for me as a, as a, a teenager, 9 11 was a big impact to my life, like growing up, going from peacetime to wartime that kind of thing was really impactful for me.
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: so even now thinking about nine 11 and how I felt on the morning that nine 11 happened. Um, and I've talked to other people about this, um, like some of them, big writers and, and journalists and, and, Almost universally, they say, yeah, like I had the same feeling on the morning of January 6th as I did the morning of 9-11. The difference being is that after 9-11, there was a sensation of unity. And after January 6th, there was a sensation of division. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it, it merits having a retrospective. You know, one thing I've noticed is that there have been an unusually high number of think piece articles that are saying, you know, is America bound for a civil war, you know, and that much of an uptick is concerning. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I thought it merited us talking about it. You know, how did, how, how did you guys feel? You know, I, I know that Jane six happened like, I think just before I came on the show with you guys last year. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I, so when I, when it happened for me, you know, you said that it was that, that for you it was, um, like transitioning from peacetime to wartime and me being a little bit older, I'd, I'd been witness to Gulf wars one and two and then nine mm-hmm. 11 and then January six. And for me, nine 11 was a huge thing. Like we, I was, I was married at the time, you know, young, still in my twenties. Um, had two very young kids. Our our youngest was still just a baby and I had gotten up and was getting ready for work and would play the news in the background while I'm making coffee, getting my lunch ready to go to work and everything and turned on the news. And when I turned it on, initially the first hour had been struck and I was just like, oh shit. I was watching CNN headline news and I was like, holy shit, you know, that's a fucking plane crashed into the tower. That's, that's wild. That's How does that happen? Yeah. How does, how does that kind of thing happen? And then, uh, I watched live on television as the second plane hit the other building. And then, you know, reality hits and you're like, okay, this isn't, this isn't an accident. This wasn't a fluke. This is,
2: that, intentional.
0: Yeah, this is intentional. We're being attacked by someone or, or or some group, some other country. Something really fucking bad is happening here, and I'm watching it live unfold live in front of me on television, and I just ran upstairs and mm-hmm. told my wife, I'm like, I'm not going to work today, neither are you. We're staying home because I don't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> but there's right, been right. planes well, that just crashed into the like, towers in New York City.
3: Yeah, and it's... To me, like as I as I look at it, right, and I kind of lack the gravitas to say this, but it's like when nine eleven happened, it taught America as a country that just because we have two oceans doesn't make us invulnerable, right? That we had always been the exception to being attacked, uh, you know, apart from um, uh, uh,
2: just because uh, of geography, uh, Pearl Harbor, Mm -hmm. right? Huh. Yeah, same. Just because and, our, our geography makes us unique from most other yeah. countries, and and
3: January sixth to me showed that like like America's had a civil war, but even that civil war, there were battle lines, and there was a lead up to it, and there was politics in Congress that that led up to it. Um, you know, civil unrest at the Capitol was a thing that happened in countries overseas in languages we don't understand not mm-hmm. here
0: mm-hmm.
3: and and like 911 disabused us of the notion that we can't be attacked January 6th disabused us of the notion that we can't collapse from within
2: yeah mm-hmm. yeah I think I remember I think that's well stated I, I yeah. was yeah I was watching like well with 911 I'd already enlisted in the military it's like 911 happened I went to boot camp not that long after it. And mm. then I got to my first base and I can remember it was right around my birthday watching us bombing Iraq and being like, well shit war's on. And then a few yeah. months later being in Afghanistan uh, with January six, I watched it unfold live because those dumb motherfuckers were all live streaming their shit across different platforms. I literally had my laptop sitting there. I had my phone like streaming through like the, periscope app and i was watching people live streaming on facebook and on youtube and stuff just had like live streams going on i'm like these motherfuckers are so emboldened in what they're doing they think they're doing something that's so fucking courageous that they are live streaming their criminal fucking acts to the world to see because they think they're in the right
0: yeah yeah well and my my initial reaction to it was you know i've seen i've watched protests all over the place, all, you know, across the world and especially here in the United States, I've seen a ton of different protests and I've seen barricades go down. I've seen people go over the barricades. I've seen people, you know, go into buildings and start smashing things up. But yeah. there's, there's something different when it's the, the capital. capital complex of the United States, the citadel mm-hmm. of democracy, not just here in the US, but across the globe. Really, when we're looked at as the, the, the bastion, the beacon of democracy in the world and to see people within this country who are so deluded, so, so intoxicated with their toxic views that have been preached from on high from the, the failed loser former president of the United States and his acolytes that have that have promoted and and promulgated the big lie and seeing the, the disastrous and deadly effects that that has and real world consequences, it was shocking, but not entirely surprising. And I thought, especially in the immediate aftermath, when we saw people like Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell (laughs) And a bunch of other Republicans come forward and say that, you know, Donald Trump is responsible for this. He, you know, he bears responsibility for this. This is a big lie. People were duped. We need to change course. I thought we would. And I'm yeah. incredibly dismayed and more than a little bit that fearful was, that we actually have not. That it's just become yeah. more entrenched. Yeah.
3: That was. Well, and, and, service and at the I moment. would go so far as to say it as it has not. Right. Like McCarthy said today that if he he becomes Speaker of the House, he will remove Swalwell and Schiff um, and Talib from their committee positions, right, in, in retaliation for the things they've done with regards to January 6th and impeaching Trump. Because um, they're investigating it.
0: Yeah. He, yeah, yeah. I think Kevin McCarthy um, is one of the dumbest motherfuckers that we have in all of Congress, and he's doing his level best to dismantle democracy from within. Fuck that guy. He's more yeah. concerned with obtaining and maintaining his own power than he is with anything else to the destruction and dismay Mm -hmm. and ruination of the rest of the country. Mm -hmm. Well, and and like I took, I
3: took January 6th as, as a, as a time for personal introspection. You know, I've, I've been an intelligence analyst um, for seven years. Uh, I have a master's degree in intelligence. Um, I wrote my thesis on right wing movements as a national security threat Um, and I've read, you know, a few dozen books on authoritarianism, fascism, that kind of thing, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of studies on the same. Um, and yet like Matt, you know, when he was still on the show, reached out to me and was like, Hey, like, what do you think is going to happen? You know, around this January 6th, like lead up to this protest. And I was like, I don't think it's going to materialize in anything, uh, uh, bad. In fact, I think that's the last exchange that he and I have had, um, you know, in the intervening time, um, I think I said something similar to you, Dan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was wrong. And I have since tried to read as much as I can. You know, there have been a few good articles. Um, uh, uh, foreign affairs, um, did a good one where it was like, why were so many analysts unwilling to say that like something would change? Right. Because that's ultimately what it is, is analysts were making the assessment that Things were going to continue as they had been, instead of a leap forward, one direction or the other occurring. And it's caused me to like reassess how I make assessments.
2: Did um, did this fall maybe into the "well, that doesn't happen here" category, or "well, that's never happened here," or you know, we don't yeah, think that no, would there happen there is, here. and and that's part of the the analysis that I've read
3: from other more experienced people is that like it's hard for an analyst to say because it's never happened you know, it could happen. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't view this as a black swan event, right? Like I view nine 11 as a black swan event. There have been no terrorist attacks like nine 11 since nine 11. Um, arguably you could call nine 11 like Pearl Harbor. Um, reasonable people can disagree on that, but reasonable, reasonable people also agree on that. I tend to be in the camp of comparing Pearl Harbor and nine 11. Um, but like, there's a tendency amongst analysts to give conservative risk levels on things and say, well, you're most dangerous, right? We, tip, we typically present it to a policymaker and say, here's your most likely scenario. Here's your most dangerous scenario. And it creates a sort of false bifurcation
0: mm-hmm. where
3: sometimes because we want to Establish something as being the most dangerous, we immediately discount it as also being likely, and we come up with a alternative hypothesis that is more likely than that most dangerous one, and as such, consider the most dangerous one as unlikely to happen, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's what I did, right? Uh, when I was talking with you guys, my thing was, yeah, I think the most dangerous thing could happen is they could attempt to storm the Capitol, and and stage a coup or stage a, a Reichstag fire moment. But I think the most likely thing that's going to happen is they're, they're going to stir up shit and nothing, you know, will come of it. So yeah, yeah it's, I think, it's caused me to reassess how I assess.
0: Well, and I think, I think my view of it was, and it's, and maybe it's just me being a little more jaded, maybe perhaps a little more cynical is that I had seen a steady progression from the time Trump entered the race Throughout his presidency and then concluding with his loss and then starting to promote the big lie is that at every turn, however bad people thought Trump was and and the things that he were doing were damaging, the reality was that they always were worse than Mm -hmm. than people's. Than people's view or or inclinations of what could be the worst case scenario at every turn, every single one that I could think of where something had happened and Trump was at the center of it, the result and reality of it was always worse than people initially thought. And so when all of this started kicking off, I thought we've we've seen example after example after example for years now of this. Not being a thing that we should be unconcerned about. We should be, if anything, we should be more concerned, more, our, our, our triggers and, and sense of danger should be heightened around all of this because he has lost. Right. He has nowhere else to go. We've seen that, you know, the, the walls are caving in on him. This is his last ditch effort to maintain his power. And at every Rank. turn in the past, we've seen that everything we thought that was bad ended up being much worse than we even thought it was. This isn't any different than that. We should be yeah. super, super concerned about this.
2: Yeah. I, well, I, and there's, and I watched it. Go, sorry, and I, go ahead, I was going to say, I, when I was watching it, I wasn't surprised. Like nine 11. I was kind of like, Holy fuck. This is like, yeah, par for the course kind of. Yep.
0: Yeah. And dumb I motherfuckers doing that motherfucker shit. Yeah. Well, like I said, I, I wasn't surprised, but it's still shocking. Like it's, it's one of those things that I, that I had mentally prepared myself for because like I said, at, at every turn, mm-hmm. we've seen that it was always worse than we thought it was. What we thought was bad yeah. always was worse than we even thought it was initially. and And even after some initial fact finding, it just gets worse and worse the more we look at it. So it wasn't anything that I was surprised by, but it's still, Fucking shocking to see that happening in the United States of America, that people are so easily misled and so easily duped into believing lies from a known liar. Like he's a lying liar face (laughs) and people still believe what he's saying to them. And I wonder how much of that is just self-delusion. It's not even that they actually believe it, but it fits their internal narrative and makes them feel better about themselves and then leads them. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It, 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 it sets up a situation where whatever he says, is the truth and it doesn't matter it you know facts and reality be damned this is what trump has said and that's what i'm going to believe because mm-hmm. he's on my team and he makes me feel better about myself and is working to protect the 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 bit of power that i can still maintain as a white c- het, cishet person in the u.s
1: mm-hmm.
3: well and it's 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 important to note um, as much as the right wing likes quoting it that George Orwell fought fascists in Spain and even though he referred to the government in England as Ingsoc he was speaking more to the idea of national socialism than like communist socialism
1: mm-hmm. in
3: that book um, and the idea of people being willing to believe patently false things like 2 plus 2 being 5 because you know the leadership says it Came out of his his experience in fighting fascists in Spain, Mm -hmm. right? And like, you know, there there are dictators in in, uh, communist countries who do the same. I think that uh, um, uh, Chernobyl, the HBO production of Chernobyl, did a fantastic job of demonstrating that as well, right? Where you try to bend reality to what's favorable to you, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, there are people, especially Christian nationalists who want to be told what and how to think. And if their leadership presents the right virtue signals for them to be viewed as a spiritual leader, then they'll accept that person's word as gospel, no matter how much it conflicts with reality. Mm -hmm. You know, in the sense that like faith is believing something in spite of reality. Mm -hmm. Uh, They go hand in hand.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Faith is faith is, Believing in something without any evidence, right? That's, that's why it's called faith. If you had evidence, you wouldn't need faith. And Mm -hmm, when they mm -hmm. take, when they take dear leaders word as uh, just on faith, they don't need any evidence. Any evidence that you can present to them is easily dismissed because that's not what they have faith in. They have faith in whatever he tells them to have faith in.
2: Hello, this is Stu Dehan, co-chapter head of the Satanic Temple Arizona chapter, and you're listening to The Godless Revolution.
4: Hey, Pastor Zach. Hi, so my friends and I are loving this beach cleanup. Oh, I'm pleased to hear that.
2: Yeah, yeah, um, but they're about to make like a really dumb decision, and I was wondering if maybe you could help put them on the right path like you did for Maddie.
4: As with all of God's children, the key to Maddie's transformation was trusting that Jesus is always by his side. Oh, cool. How long does that take? Oh, well, it took me fifteen years to put my faith in Jesus, but if you're looking for a quick fix, I am. It doesn't exist. Okay. But something that helps me keep the faith is noticing all the signs of His presence. If you look close enough, you'll see them everywhere, like that cloud. That could be God, or that stick. You know, it's all God. Wow. Okay. Signs. Thank you. <laughs> Boo! That guy stopped. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330 81 Rebel, or Twitter, the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you.
3: So, um, uh, one of the things that I wanted to do, and Ryan, I am so glad you, you brought up this video. Oh, that's um, good. <laughs> Yeah, it's fantastic. So, so what I'd like us to do is, is we're going to play some audio. It's it's a few minutes long. It's an interview between um, Ari Melber and uh, a guy named what? Peter Navarro, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Am I getting his first name right? Yeah, Peter Navarro, yeah.
0: aka he a, a Ron Navarro, <laughs> huh? Aka Ron Vera, if you read his, <laughs> his yeah. shitty yeah. fucking book.
3: Um, he's he's in the Trump orbit. Uh, he is one of the, uh, lampreys that feeds on the carcasses that float in his wake. Um, and I mean, listen for yourself, but like, basically he describes the entire thing, um, as intended by the Trump camp. And, uh, Ari comes to a conclusion at the end of that narrative that Navarro gives him. And again, Navarro is, is in the Trump orbit. You know, he, he is, uh, he is explaining what he believed yeah. Yeah. And uh, and and well, just give it a listen.
4: Exactly. And I'm, I'm going to tell you that the, the plan was simply this. We had uh, over 100 congressmen and senators on Capitol Hill ready to implement the sweep. The sweep was simply that we were going to challenge. The the results of the election in the six battleground states, they were Michigan, Pennsylvania, uh, Georgia, Wisconsin, uh, uh, Nevada. And and basically, these were the places where we believe that if the votes were sent back to those battleground states, and looked at again that there would be enough concern amongst the legislatures that m- m- most or all of those states would decertify the election that would throw the election to the House of Representatives. And I would say to you here, Ari, that all of this again, I was, it was in, in the lanes legally. It was prescribed by the Constitution. There is a provision to go rather than through the Electoral College to the House of Representatives, and all this required was peace and calm on Capitol Hill. And at 1 p.m., Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz, and Gosar, Go a, a representative, started the Green Bay sweep beautifully, challenging the results of Arizona. Here's the most important thing I can tell you about this. The the thing that we were trying to deal with was was a media which refused to acknowledge any kind of possible fraud or irregularities right and by- well, let's get into it i've given you peter i've
1: given you i've given you some time here and i think you you've you've explained that and i'm going to follow up here and i, I want us to have a, a back and forth but that involves both of us you just described a way yeah you just described this plan as a way to take an election where the outcome was established by independent secretaries of state by the voters of those states And legal remedies have been exhausted with the Supreme Court never even taking, let alone siding with, any of the claims that you just referred to. So legally, they went nowhere. And then you're describing a way that that. the incumbent – hold on, hold on. You will get your turn. I just let you go for a while. Let's go this back and forth, sir. Then you will use the incumbent losing party's power, that was the Republican Party that was losing power, to overtake and reverse that outcome. Do you realize you are describing a coup? (laughs) Uh,
2: I I don't think he... I think he needs to get a dictionary because, no, he doesn't know he's describing a coup.
0: Like, do you know you just described the quiet part out loud, you stupid motherfucker? Well, and, and I think it is
3: incredibly important to highlight this, that... There has been a public narrative saying that the five states that he mentioned had discrepancies with their voting counts, right? That's been the messaging from the right, that there were discrepancies with those states, right? But in what Navarro just presented, it was very clear that to him, it didn't matter if those states had discrepancies. Mm -hmm. All that mattered was that there was, I believe in his words, confusion yeah, and that that confusion yep. was adequate to kick it to the House, and and to lay that part out because he kind of truncates it. There is a provision in the Constitution, in the Twelfth Amendment, that if there is a discrepancy in the electoral count, such that there there is a candidate who has less than two hundred and seventy votes in the Electoral College, right? So if no candidate gets over two hundred and seventy, then it's kicked to a special session of the House. And rather than each representative voting, um, the House votes in state-based blocks. Mm-hmm. So each state would vote as a single vote. And because of the outcome of the 2020 election, there would have been 27 Republican states and like 23 or 22 Democratic states, which would have meant that in an a Democratic way, uh, they could have elected Trump back into office despite the electoral counts. Um, mm-hmm. And even if they came back and said there were no discrepancies, because there's no takesies, backsies, remedy in court, Trump would have been president anyway. And it's really important that we highlight that by his own words, Navarro just said, you know, it didn't matter whether those discrepancies were there. All that mattered was that they were able to trigger that house session. Well, and yep. he, that was the goal.
0: And he talks about the, con, you know, the confusion that existed at the time. They are the ones who sowed that confusion into the narrative. They're the mm, ones yeah. who created that confusion, fomented that confusion and kept pumping that confusion into the hearts and minds of their stupid followers. They're the ones who created the whole fucking thing and then said, well, because this thing exists now, we should do this. You're the
2: ones who created this situation, mm-hmm. asshole. I mean, that was their goal. Yeah. They, they, they were. I mean, he even calls it the big sweep. Like, yeah. we were yeah. going to sweep through and remove these fucking votes. Yeah, and they're
0: not—they're not at all done with this either. This is an ongoing thing. They still are doing what they can to try to make it so that the next time they lose an election, they're not really going to lose. They'll just yeah. Install whoever they wanted to win in the first place.
2: Well, I mean, they're actively using the narrative of the big lie to make voting more restrictive in some states. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they absolutely are. My, my biggest fear surrounding all of this, surrounding January 6th, Biden's election, you know, trying to pass whatever legislation they can now, the slim majorities that they have, the state, Elections that are occurring for people who manage and maintain elections, uh, the inevitable, probable loss of the House of Representatives and the Senate, both to Republican majorities, is that I fear, I'm, I'm fucking terrified that the Biden administration and Democrats in general do not understand the existential risk that we are in and that we are facing right fucking now, because I don't see them doing enough to try to stop it. I don't see them doing enough to try to secure democracy in this country.
2: And it's terrifying. Well, both sides are playing with different playbooks or different rules. And yeah. sometimes yeah. I see the democratic side, like you're trying to stay within the rules. You're trying to make everyone happy. You try not to look like the bad guy, but the Republicans have no problem being like, Nope, fuck that. We're going to do it our way. Fuck that. Yeah. Nope. You want a Supreme court justice? Nope. You don't get it. Well, and, and I'm a little concerned because
3: the typical little D democratic playbook doesn't really exist in this country. Right. Um, I've tried to read, um, well, I have read, I've read Madeleine Albright, I've read Timothy Snyder, um, I've read Jason Stanley, Um, I've looked at people who have studied other governments that became authoritarian or outright fascist, and in the cases where those governments were able to resist a fascist takeover of their government, it's because they created a coalition of Um, not Antifa, but just anti-fascist representatives, right? And the idea being that, that they would reach across party lines. Um, gosh, I want to say it was Finland was the country that did it where, um, at the, at the height of Nazism taking over, like the Germanic countries, uh, a, a fascist leader attempted to take over in Finland, um, and, the left wing parties in parliament aligned with a center right party in parliament to ensure denying the vote of the far right fascist party in parliament. And ordinarily those groups would not align mm-hmm. with each other. Um, but they did so purely in order to prevent, you know, a, a fascist from taking control. That's the same reason why, um, Emmanuel Macron won in, in France, France. right? His, mm-hmm. his most recent electoral win. It's also the reason why Austria doesn't presently have a nationalist, uh, uh, party in charge of their parliament. America has no such outlet because we don't work on a parliamentary system. We instead have a, a first past the post voting system, which yeah. is also the reason why a third party cannot be viable. Uh, it means that there's no release valve for us. There are mm-hmm. Democrats and there are Republicans. Mm-hmm. And because of our primary system, there's no reason for any Republican to move across the aisle to join with Democrats in voting against a measure like that because they'll get primaried from the right, which is what's going to happen to Liz Cheney, yeah, for example.
0: Mm-hmm. And it is only because our democratic institutions somehow some way managed to hold themselves up that we're not looking at that. We're not currently living under Trump's second uh, term in office and mm-hmm. they've, they've been chipping away at those institutions and norms ever since then. And I don't see the sense of urgency that I think is required for the, the situation that we find ourselves in right now. I just, I don't see it and it's terrifying. I don't see that anything sufficient to address the concerns that I personally have are, are being addressed and
2: I'm terrified for what the future holds.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. That's why I'm, I'm just starting to 3d print my Mad Max armor. Uh
0: huh. (laughs) I'll look good. So, on that cheery note, we've run out of time for this episode. Oh, shit. <laughs> I, yeah. Any, any, any last thoughts? Oh, we lost Taylor. Oh, yeah. He's back. He's back.
3: Sorry about that. I had a technical difficulty. Um, I was looking at our, our show notes, which was in another tab. And when I went back to this tab, I, uh, hit the X button instead of the tab button. Oh, (laughs) so (laughs) I'm so sorry. Yeah, no worries.
0: It happens. I'm just, I'm just scared. Any, any last
2: thoughts from you guys on that? Um, I don't think it looks good. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it's going to be sketchy. And I'll say I, it might look bad for us. But I fear for the next generation even more. I, I have to say, fucking vote. Like
3: you yeah. might be disappointed that that Democrats aren't doing as much as you would like them to do. But like, here's the deal: the the two Democrats who are doing the least of what you want them to do are the ones who are in Arizona and fucking uh, Virginia, right? So yeah. or West Virginia, West Virginia rather.
1: Yeah.
3: So with with all the if, oil money, if you. If you want liberal policies, like, like Manchin wasn't wrong. If you want a progressive vote for a fucking progressive. So, uh, vote, you know, you might be disappointed in what the Democrats are doing, but they're not fascists, right? The right has demonstrated that they are not interested in ever doing anything you want to do. And if you're, if your best case scenario is the squad pushing Pelosi from the left Well, guess what? It happens, right? They get shit done. It's not perfect, but it's better than literal fascism. So if you're thinking about sitting out a vote because Biden didn't forgive student loans, which as somebody with six figures of student loans, you know, I get it, but it's still better than Trump being in office. Notice how you don't know the names of the different cabinet secretaries anymore.
0: (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Because yeah. we don't have to hope that they'll be there to get the president out of there if needed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: I don't know who the Secretary of Education is. That's great. I hated that I knew everything that there was to know about Betsy DeVos as a way to try and analyze what bullshit she would try and do to push Christian nationalism in schools.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. I'm just, like I said, I'm just. I'm terrified. And Merrick Garland's speech about January 6th and all of the prosecutions that they're going through, all of the indictments, mm-hmm. all of the evidence that, they're st- that they have sifted through and are still going through did a little bit to ease some of my concerns, but fuck me man they really need to step shit up they they've got to ratchet that shit up get it going start turning and burning people because if they don't Mm -hmm. and if they're not transparent about it and people don't know what's going on and they don't see that they're making a difference people are going to check out and if people check out they're not going to go and vote and the people who are going to go and vote are the fascists who want fucking fascism (laughs) and And they they vote vote. yeah
3: Yeah. reliably yeah Yeah. yep. Like fucking Republicans, uh, uh, Democrats want to fall in love. Republicans fall in line. Like, good job. Like you got mad at somebody on Twitter or Facebook, like Jeffers, shut the fuck up yo. and go to the ballot box. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> like I, I don't give a shit. No one gives a fuck about your, you know, correcting someone on their level of progressiveness on a Facebook group, or on Twitter. It, it does not affect policy at all.
0: Yeah. We're, Go to the
3: fucking ballot box.
0: We're talking about the difference between retail and wholesale politics, man. <laughs> you, you talking to somebody and owning them on Facebook, Twitter, or wherever else doesn't do fuck all if that person turns around and gets elected into an office that is going to have an impact on your life. Yeah. You need to vote. That's we the we one can thing have that the circular
3: fire squad when we fucking win. Yeah. Um. But, but like say what you will, you know, Matt Gates is a fucking scumbag, like an yeah. actual fucking scumbag who probably diddled teenagers. Mm-hmm. The right isn't turning against him. They circle ranks. And I'm not saying that we need to circle ranks against our, uh, around our sex pests, but I'm saying that you need to not let your spitefulness towards petty things that Democrats do be a reason not to vote people with a D in front of their name because they contribute to us having uh, uh, committees and a majority, so we can appoint judges. Right, and appointing judges is is the single most important Big. consequence that you can get out of having a Democratic majority because those are judges who are going to ensure that disability rights improve and and. Um, Minority rights improve and LGBTQ rights improve. It is it is Biden judges who are going to stop bathroom bills and the uh, uh, banning of abortion. Right. Yeah. And you just need a majority for that. You don't need the perfect candidate. You need somebody who will say, yeah, 50 plus one. Congrats. The Democrats are on the Senate now.
0: Yep. And if yep. you don't believe us, then wait until the summer when abortion rights go away because yeah. of Republican conservative justices who are appointed to the Supreme Court which is now the most important political body in not only the U.S., but in the world, really. They're, they mm-hmm. have a fuck ton more power than they should. We have run out yeah. of time for this episode. Um, I, I hope that we have not filled you with too much of an existential sense of dread or that if we have, it promotes you or, or prompts you to do something about it to to get out and yeah. vote to encourage others to vote to donate your time efforts and talent to people who are running and will hopefully stem the tide the rising tide of fascism within the United States.
2: Mm-hmm. And but if we have encouraged you to buy a doomsday bunker just let us know the address. <laughs> I just I just want to say like at the end of this episode
3: imagine that it comes out that This was proposed by Marjorie Taylor Greene last week that people who move to red states from blue states ought to have a, quote, cooling off period before they are allowed to register to vote in that state. Uh So if you're considering that it might not be worth your time to vote in an election this this coming 2022, like we're in an election year now, Mm -hmm. I want you to imagine yourself four years from now living in your state in a red state, and they say, well, we don't trust college students, or minority voters, or people without the right voting ID, or just Democrats, because fuck it, they're fascists. That that you're not allowed to vote. And how would you feel in that moment? Put yourself in that future shoes, and think, don't you wish you would have voted before so that this didn't happen?
0: Uh Uh-huh. I... I I'm I'm going to sidetrack us more. I watch, uh, what the fuck is the show on Amazon? Um, handmaid's tale. Yeah. I watch handmaid's tale and I see when the world started to fall apart in the United States and all of the people who had no idea what was going on. And it's like, you need to pay attention to this shit, man. You need to participate. You need to be an active participant in the political lives of those around you because it affects everybody. And if you don't know what's going on, you're not going to see the harms that are coming down the pipe. And we need to do what we can to stop them. But before we Mm -hmm. go, (laughs) (laughs) I want to make sure that we thank our Patreon supporters who uh, keep allowing us to pump existential dread into your ear holes. (laughs) That would be two skeptical chaps.
2: A noble spirit embiggens the smallest man. A perfectly cromulent statement. Alan Firth
0: All hail Peanut Buttra
2: Congrats on the engagement, Dan Woo, thank you very much, I appreciate that
0: Doug Willoughby Hunter Grin
2: John McCullough Ollie Olson Sinead Duffy Steve Kuno Stephen Andrus Theodore Selen. Tiffany Hudson Travis Lindbergh Vanessa Benjamin Davis Corey Ebert. Don't be a Richard. Free Thinker 215. Good news, everyone. (laughs) I like that. Uh, Jeff Peterson. Jeremy Goodson. Marvin Draken. Matthew Sanders. Megan Mitchell. Updog Programmer. Still awesome. Utah Outcasts. (laughs) Wesley Aaron. Janet Uter. Purple Dragon ryan mayfield sarah segovia savita kuna socialized healthcare saved my life tim jacobson trisha weir cletus the slack-jawed yokel wants you to please support phil abundance or your local food bank
0: well done. and james thanks james thank you all very very much if you, dear listener, would like to become a Patreon patron, you can do so very easily by going to patreon.com slash godlessrevolution where you can contribute as little as $1 per episode to get all kinds of great things, including bonus episodes, extended editions of the show, and stuff like that. And you keep it going. I appreciate you all very, very much. Thank you, gents, for joining me. This has been oh, yeah. uh, fun.
2: Well, <laughs> I'm going to have to start using my tagline again. Fucking vote. Please. Yep. Fucking vote. Yeah. All right. Love you guys. Bye. 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 I, I hate it when I keep hearing everybody go, oh, yeah, all these people rest, but nobody's been charged with an insurrection. So it must not have been an insurrection.
1: Hmm. Yeah. that's That's not how words work.